Hi, Pastor Mike Fabares here. In August 2024, you're invited to join me on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. Delve into God's Word while taking in the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares talks about what's really behind the words that come out of your mouth. You can be someone who is forgiven and right with God, but you're struggling to say things that are appropriate or good, you don't really know what's acceptable to say because your mind and your heart is really not saturated. It's not filled, it's not fueled by the things that would bring wise, helpful, edifying, encouraging statements out of our mouths. Welcome to Focal Point. I'm Dave Drewing, and we're glad you could join us today. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And today, Pastor Mike Fabares offers some practical strategies for managing your emotions and taming your tongue. We're going to find out how we can fill up our hearts and minds with the kind of thoughts that cause us to speak wise words. It's part of a helpful series titled, Wisdom from Proverbs. And now here's Pastor Mike with today's message. I, I, I often say it, but I, I know that we are concerned that we can't be sinless, but we can sin less. And that's the goal when it comes to our words. So as you feel some conviction, because we need to spend time, what are the areas where, that make our lips unclean that we say that are not right? I want you to wholeheartedly repent of, quote unquote, unclean lips, of words that are less than what they should be. Even if you think, wow, I can't imagine not doing that, well, we're going we're gonna to see if we can come up with some strategies in Proverbs that will help us to curtail those unclean statements and phrases. So let's start. Let's start with a word that I know we don't want to qualify for, but when we define it, we start to see, well, yeah, that is probably a part of everyone's conversation, chapter 10, and I want to turn there. We'll stay in Proverbs, verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. Let's just think about that for a second. All the people in your life that you interact with, there are people on that list that you don't like. There are things that you do that, 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 that conceal that because that wouldn't be appropriate. But there's another outlet for it. Look at the next phrase here that most of us fall into. Whoever utters slander uh, is a fool. Here's what slander is. When we embellish, enhance, or speculate, I know that's a lot to write down, when we embellish, enhance, or speculate about the bad in the life of someone I don't like. But then when we turn the conversation to ourselves, there's another kind of lying that takes place. Proverbs chapter 27 says, let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Don't even get in the habit of talking about your own victories, because when you do, the natural tendency is to enhance them. And the word that we got introduced to in verse number one, which we haven't read yet, is the word you should circle. It's the third word in verse number one, and it is the thing that we should never do. Do not what? Boast. See, that's the enhancement. It's putting the magnifying glass on the good in my life and making it sound just a little bit bigger and a little bit better than it actually is. It's boasting. There's another kind of 
talk that Proverbs is really down on, and it's hard because it's so prevalent among us today. But would you turn to chapter 18 and take a look at it here in chapter 18, verse 8? The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. <laughs> when you share your juicy prayer request, I mean, when you gossip, see, people, it, it's like passing out cubes of fudge. People love it. They feed on it. Let's be, uh, let's be done with sticking our nose in business that we don't have any interest in. Is there time to pray? Absolutely. Time to seek help? Sure. But you know what I'm talking about. There's a line to be drawn between gossip and real Christian intervention in people's lives. God is good to forgive us. That's the good news. There's cleansing. There's restoration. But it means that you take words to God. Don't just shrug your shoulders and assume, well, God's a loving God. He'll forgive me. He, he wants to hear your apology. And that's a good place to start. Now, we spent most of our time on this. We need to wholeheartedly repent of unclean lips. Let's spend the rest of our time briefly looking at three ways where you can have less sin coming from your mouth this week, okay? And to get that, let's start in chapter 10, verse 19. Proverbs 10, 19 says this. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. You're bound to step over the line, right? But whoever restrains his lips... Oh, that, that guy's prudent, smart. Why? Because his goal is not to have to see sinful things in his life multiply. He wants less sin. And if he wants less sin, then he needs to speak less when it comes to sinful words, right? Speak less and you'll sin less. I put it this way. Number two, we need to regularly, right, bite our tongues. Regularly bite your tongue. And that's a, you know, obviously an idiomatic way to put it, but it wouldn't hurt for you to clamp your teeth down in your tongue every now and then. Just to remind your tongue, right? <laughs> Listen, don't do it. I'm in charge. I need restraint. Settle down. There's a lot of advantages to saying less. But here's the problem with all this. I can say, say less, say less, say less, and it's never going to do any good for you unless you realize the connection between your heart and your mouth. If you're dying to hear the latest gossip, well, then you're going to be sharing the latest gossip. And if your heart is, is filled with anger, well, you're going to have angry outbursts. If your heart is filled with pride, then you're going to embellish the good in your life. If your heart is filled with hatred, then you are going to slander people this week. It's going to happen. So it's about the, the control, the management, the restraint of your emotions. Your heart has to be restrained. All right. Regularly bite your tongue. That's strategy number one. Strategy number two. Turn with me to chapter 18. This is Proverbs 18, 21. Are your eyeballs on that one? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. There will be consequences, and all we've kind of talked about so far is negative consequences. We held accountable, it'll do damage, it's not good, you shouldn't do it. We've looked at the death words. But the great thing about the first phrase in verse 21 is there are also life words. And if there are life words, I know this. I can take my words and replace or exchange them, and the more I purposefully, thoughtfully engage in more life words, I got less opportunity for death words. I put it this way, number three, we need to harness the power of words for good. That needs to be our slogan, our theme, our, our, our goal, our vision. I want to harness the power of my mouth to do something good. I want to get excited about the good I can do with my words. One verse on this, 1218. 
12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like thrusts of a sword. Well, there's eating the fruit of it. You're going to see a lot of damage with unguarded words, and there's power, the power of death in your mouth. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. I wish I could fully explore that with you this morning. I can't, but there's so much your words can do to change and redirect people's lives. I bet you could look back in your life at someone who came with just the right words at the right time. As the Bible says, as Proverbs says, like, like, like settings of uh, apples of silver and settings of gold. You know, the words came, the aptly spoken word was given to you and it encouraged you, it motivated you, it helped you, it comforted you, it changed your disposition, it changed the direction of your life. Can you be that kind of person? And the more you have that in this week's 500 pages, the less you'll have time for jokes that hurt people's feelings or gossip or slander about the people you don't like, or the aggrandizement of the things in your life that you think are neat. Harness the power of words for good. Number four on your outline. The problem with this all, chapter 10, is that you can't do this in a vacuum. You can't be speaking good words in a vacuum. Strategy number one, totally biblical, restrain your words. Strategy number two, point number three on our outline, we need to exchange our words. Focus more and purposely, thoughtfully saying the right things as opposed to the wrong things. Number four, though, you need to realize and those good words aren't going to come unless there's a, a well, a, 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 a storehouse from which to bring those things. Chapter 10, verse 31, way down in verse 31, says this, the mouth of the righteous... Here's some words that Jesus repeated in Matthew uh, 12. They bring forth wisdom. It's like there's a, a reservoir there, and out of that reservoir they come. Jesus said, out of the, the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The perverse, they're going to be punished, right? That's a dramatic way to say it, but their tongue will be cut out. Verse 32. The lips of the righteous, here's the thing, they know what's acceptable. The mouth of the wicked, oh, they know it's perverse. So there is a knowledge there. They know what's the right thing to say, and they bring forth a storehouse of stuff that's inside of them. That's an important thing for us to recognize. I put it this way, number four in your outline. You need to ingest more fuel for good words. You need to ingest more that it will be, as Jesus put it, a storehouse for you to say good things. The reason sometimes we're quick with a cutting joke instead of an encouraging word is because we're more filled because we entertain ourselves with it. We think it's the, the happen and deal. That's all that we get into our minds. We get a lot more stand-up comedians than, than, than chapters of Scripture. And so we're great at, at parroting back, uh, cutting, biting sarcasm or comedy when, when we should be quoting truth from Scripture, commending knowledge or encouraging and bringing healing to people we're speaking to. It's all about what's going on in our heart. Now, two things to this. Number one, if you're a non-Christian here, all I can say is you might resonate with the need to speak better words, but you'll never be able to do it for any consistent amount of time in any real way until you have a conversion experience with God. You need to repent of your sins and put your trust in Christ. You need a new heart because you can never... Let's just think through something. I can never extend gracious words of forgiveness to other people until I've experienced profound and eternal forgiveness of my own sins. I can never extend grace until I know what grace is. I can't. I mean, I can, I can pretend at it. I can work toward it. But I can never really have it as something from which to draw 
uh, out of my heart and my life until I have that experience with God. I need to be a real Christian, not a churchgoer, not someone who tries to live by the Bible, but someone who's had that experience of God invading their lives because they threw up their hands one day and said, I'm a sinner, I need to repent of my sins and trust Christ to be forgiven. That has to happen before you can ever have any long-term success or real profound success in, the way change, in changing the way you speak. Secondly, converted people. Let me expand a little bit more and, and quote more accurately what Jesus said. Elsewhere, he said, it says, the good man out of the good treasure brings forth what is good. Context was his speaking, okay? So I can be a converted individual, but now it's like a treasure chest, and it needs to be filled full of good things, and then out of my mouth comes good things. Because you can be someone who is forgiven and right with God, but you're struggling to say things that are appropriate or good, you don't really know what's acceptable to say because your mind and your heart is really not saturated. It's not filled. It's not fueled by the things that would bring wise, helpful, edifying, encouraging statements out of our mouths. Proverbs 4.23 puts it this way. You need to keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Are you? Because if you love reading the Hollywood gossip about the starlets you know, up the freeway, then I guarantee you, you will have such an insatiable appetite for gossip that the people you know in your circles at church or work or neighborhood, you're going to just fall right in that same pattern. That'll be your appetite. Same thing with you. You're watching these, these inappropriate jokes of people that you love on television or you go to their comedy clubs or whatever. Guarantee you, you are going to parrot that stuff back. You need, and I know it sounds like a junior high lecture right here, but garbage in, garbage out. There's a real truth to that that we need to affirm as very mature Christians. Understand it. Guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life, including your words. I try to keep you in Proverbs all day, and I did, did I not? Turn you next door for just one, just in closing, one passage out of Proverbs. Let's go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If I'm going to talk about fueling my heart so I can have good words flow from them, I know it's always going to be effort. I'm always going to need to rely on the Spirit. I'm always going to need to, 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 to give it thought. And I'm going to need to defer to God and His help to do it. I, I do need to recognize i got to pour things into my heart that are there as a good treasure. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all the Bible for you newbies. Here's a great little section of the longest chapter in the Bible that helps us. It asks the question in verse number 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? Any person in that, in that respect. We're thinking this morning about pure lips. I want to say pure words. I want to say good and godly words. I want less unclean lips. I'm repenting of that. I want, I want more pure words coming from my mouth. Okay? Well, I can do it by guarding it. i got to guard it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Look at this. This is great now. It sounds just like Jesus in Matthew 12. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Now look at this. When it's stored up, it comes out. Verse 13. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. I mean, it's coming out all the time. Talk about commending knowledge. I do it because it's in me. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much 
as in all riches, the things that would normally be the propensities and appetites of my heart, like gossip or materialism, it's, it's not, it's, that's not the overwhelming desire because I'm saturated in your word. I will meditate, verse 15, on your precepts, and I will fix my eyes on your way. I'm going to focus on that. I will delight in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. You want success in saying things that are appropriate and godly? You're all building your, your, your library. You've got to bite your tongue, harness the power of words for good, and ingest more fuel for those good words. You know, my cell phone has taught me a lot about the importance of guarding your words, particularly with uh, the little four-minute recordings we have called voicemail. Because when you call me and get my voicemail, which, hate to say, usually happens, uh, you leave a message for me, as everybody does for you. And when you leave that message, you give a very carefully worded what I like to say, guarded message. Tell me what you want to say. It's careful. It's respectful. Hey, Pastor Mike, blah, 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 blah. Please, thank you. But there you go. Boom. It's over. Till you sit on your phone at the restaurant after you called me and you call me again. And then I get to hear four minutes of your conversation that's not guarded. I know I'm supposed to act really godly like I don't listen to it, but I, I got to listen a little bit to what you're saying. And it's a whole different kind of conversation going on when you don't think I'm listening. I say it like I've never done it. My wife often says, hey, listen to the message you left me today. Uh, I, we all do it. It's kind of scary because we often think that those unguarded moments aren't, you know, all that important. Uh, sometimes I, I go out golfing and early on I got, I got a whole golf foursome now in my family. But before that, we always get paired with people at the golf course. And uh, you know how that works. The guys are whoever they are until about hole six when we start sharing our occupations. Well, what do you do? Well, I like to say sometimes I'm an ecclesiologist. Uh, ecclesiology, that's the church. I, I work for the church, right? I'm a pastor. Uh, it's amazing how the vocabulary shifts after the sixth hole it's just amazing and wonderful right if i don't get it by the turn i gotta I got bring it up by the ninth hole because get sick of hearing how they talk in unguarded moments but when the holy guy's with us you know now they start acting a little different they actually start it's not just their 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 punctuation of bad shots uh their verbal punctuation it's it's also the what they talk about seems to go to a whole nother level and I think about this. If you are concerned about talking to a fallen, sinful pastor, human being, do you guys think God is not listening to what you're saying? Right? I mean, if we're going to up the way we speak when we're leaving a message and we know we're leaving a message, and then we're going to hang it up and think that we're going to talk differently, is, do you think God's not listening? I know that people read your growing library that you and I are building. I mean, this is last week, right? The equivalent. But do you know the angels of heaven? Were you, were you reading Daniel with us this week in our annual Bible reading? Did you notice that some of the angels were, were called the watchers? Did you notice that in Daniel? 
That sent a chill down my spine. I read that again. <laughs> you watching? Maybe another way to put it is listeners. Right? Heaven's listening. We need to take it seriously. I know it won't be sinless, but let's work hard in our lives to sin less with our words. That's the wisdom of Proverbs. And if you fear God, it'll be your concern. And I hope you will have great success. Please don't be silent on the patio as we close our service out. Just harness the power of your words for good. Would you stand with me as I pray with you and release you? God, we stand before you as men and women of unclean lips. And we live among a people of unclean lips. Woe to us were we to really know what it would be like to see your holiness and your righteousness, to see in an unmitigated way the seraphim flying around using their words appropriately, or even to think of Christ, about a man who never spoke out of step, never transgressed with his words, always said what was right and appropriate. We, like Peter, would say, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. God, it's embarrassing, it's humiliating, but God, I know you don't want to leave us there. The goal of us seeing ourselves for who we really are should lead us to repentance. In the words of Proverbs, it's forsaking our sin, confessing our sin, and we find mercy from you, and the mercy is your hand to reach down to us to get us off the ground, to stand up, to get back out into this world, into our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, our churches, our small groups, speaking words that are much better this week than they were last week. Help us in this regard, God. Please let us give thought to our words. May they please you more. May they be consistently better as we grow in holiness and righteousness. I look forward to the day when the battle will be over. Like Paul, we'll say we fought the good fight, not just of ministry, but the battle that takes place in our soul and in our mouth. Be great to see the untamed tamed that day. But in the meantime, God, we're going to work at it. We're going to, as 2 Peter 1 says, we're going to give every effort to add to our faith virtue. So God, we need virtue in the things that we say. Let us make every effort this week. We know we've got to rely on you for this. We have to have your empowerment for it. But like Philippians 2.12 says, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Knowing at the same time, when you see that, there's a lot going on that you're doing behind the scenes. For it's God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. May your pleasure be evident in our lives this week as you work in and through us. And as we work hard in the fear of the Lord to reform our speech in Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Focal Point and the conclusion of a message from Pastor Mike Fabares called Managing Your Emotions and Taming Your Tongue. Now, if you missed any of the previous messages in this series, simply go to focalpointradio.org or download the Focal Point app to listen anytime. These messages on Focal Point are filled with biblical truth and practical guidance to help you live out your faith. Our goal is to reach, teach, and train followers of Jesus Christ. And we rely on the generous support from listeners like you to keep this ministry going strong. So today, would you give a special year-end gift to support Focal Point in the new year? To say thanks for your gift, we'll send you a copy of the Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible. 
Whether you're reading God's Word for the first time or the 40th, you're bound to ask questions along the way, such as, how do I know that the Bible is reliable? Who decided which books made the final cut? Or what else do I need to know to get the most out of what I'm reading? And when you read the ultimate infographic guide to the Bible, you'll find solid answers to these questions and so much more. Request your copy of this valuable resource when you make a generous year-end donation to support Focal Point. It's easy to give online at focalpointradio.org or by calling us at 888-320-5885. That's 888-320-5885. And if you're not quite ready to give just yet, we'd still like to hear from you. This month we're offering a free gift called From Creation to Bethlehem for listeners who contact Focal Point for the first time. This easy-to-read booklet shows the surprising connection between Christmas and the creation of the world. Request your free gift at focalpointradio.org. Well, whether you work from home or drive to a job site, work is a significant part of our daily lives. I'm Dave Drury, inviting you to join us tomorrow to hear a message about why Christians are great workers. That's coming up Tuesday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear, but we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's word is truth. If you want to send me a question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.